Well, we're continuing to look at the top 10 Bible characters today, looking at the prophet Jonah. Last week, we started looking at Jonah in Sunday school, specifically chapter 1 last week, where Jonah is commanded by God to go preach to Nineveh. Now, the problem was Jonah hated the Ninevites. So instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a ship and goes in the opposite direction to Tarsus. Last week, we saw in Sunday school that he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a whale, a great big fish. And we see in today's Sunday school lesson how that in the belly of that fish, Jonah reached the lowest point of his life. Of course, it took three days for him to reach that point. And Jonah finds himself in a self-made crisis, out of places to run from God as he's trapped in the fish. But aren't we like Jonah? We reject God's word. We run from God's word. We follow empty escape plans filled with false promises of fulfillment in this world. And how many of us have run from God's will in our, in our own ways? Where we pursue false idols, which is what Jonah talks about in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8. Those who worship worthless idols have abandoned their loyalty to you, God. And there's all kinds of idols out there that distract Christians. Bad idols, like breaking the Ten Commandments, cheating uh, at school or at work or gambling or, or drinking or pornography or, or rooting for the patriots and the <laughs> cheaters... That's right, Jeff. We need to have a counseling session from your prayer. I mean, anybody, the flake gate going on. I mean, there is just some horrible sin in this world. You know, there was a guy that was climbing the corporate ladder, and uh, he said, as I was climbing the ladder to success, what I discovered when I got to the top was that I had the ladder against the wrong building. Now, many of us find ourselves chasing the wrong idols. Idols that we worship besides God. And, and an idol is whatever we put ahead of God in our lives. And Jonah was putting his hatred of the Ninevites ahead of God's calling for him. So how does God get our attention when we put other things ahead of him? What happens when God tells us to go in one direction and we go in the opposite direction? That's when the storms come into our life. And I want to say that there's, Jake, did you hear my, or Jeff, did you hear my comment? They were down in the office. We're going to pray for you. It's going to be a healing service, and we're going to burn that Patriots uh, <laughs> jersey. And any complaints, send to Bishop's Appliances, courtesy of his father, Doug Cassidy. <laughs> but the storms that, come in our life are three times. There are storms created by bad choices we make, where we choose to drink and drive and get a DUI, or where we choose to get friendly with somebody at work and have an affair, or we choose to cheat at work or on our school test. The bad choices oftentimes produce consequences that make us suffer, and we have those storms in our life, self-inflicted. We also have storms that come into our lives that, that are storms that, that, uh, that are like 
like the one that Jonah faced. They are God sent. Where God sent that storm into Jonah's ship's path. And God also sent the whale to wait for Jonah when he was thrown overboard. And there's events and circumstances in your life, things that are meant to shake you up, that are intended to change your life that are sent by God. It may be you lose your job. It may be that God closes a door of opportunity in your life. Uh, It could be a financial train wreck, things that God uses. But there's also a third type of storms, and those are kind of acts of nature. Tornadoes, floods, disease, illness, random crime, acts of violence, things that occur that we see as evil and sinful. And hear me say this. We know that God is not the author of anything evil or sinful, but God can use any storm to bring redemption from it, even if it is an evil act or a random act of violence. So you see, there can be purpose and redemption out of any storm that comes into your life. Now, we have many times had bad choices that we have had come into our life. We've also had storms that have been coming into our life God sent, and also those that are kind of evil in an active nature where a drunk driver hits our car. But these storms become ways that God instructs us and teaches us and develops character in us, where we learn perseverance and endurance. Scott Peck, in the book he wrote years ago, The Road Less Travels, said, life is difficult. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. God wants followers, God wants Christians that are able to hang tough. God wants followers who will persevere. And Jesus made it clear that we would have trouble in this world, that hard things were going to come our way. But Jesus also said, if we will do life with him, if we will do life with him, the Lord will share the load of that road. See, when a storm comes, our lives, we ought to be people saying, not why me, but we ought to be saying, Lord, why not me? Face it, life is difficult and we're going to go through tough times and have to do things we don't want to do. And the book of Jonah is showing us that God can take those things, even horrific things, and God can turn them into something good. And we may not be able to see the good right now, but we need to remember that God has a a much better view from above, and, and He sees the whole picture. He even sees the future. And God uses events and God works in ways that we can't see to, to sculpt and mold our, our character for God's ultimate good. And God does this because he unfailingly loves us. See, Paul talks about that in Romans 8, 28. He says, we know that in all things God works for good with those whom he loves. Those whom he has called according to his purpose. 
And Paul goes on to explain it a little further in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval, and His approval creates hope. And this hope does not disappoint us, for He has poured out His love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. Paul is saying storms, they develop endurance, which brings God's approval. Storms of life develop strength of character. God deeply cares about your character. If you just look at the heroes of the Bible, every hero of the Bible has been enrolled in God's school of character development. Every hero in the Bible has went through God's wilderness training course. You look at Joseph and Moses and Elijah, Jonah, John the Baptist, Paul, and even God's own son, Jesus. And notice there was no shortcut in God's training program. See, we may have an unrealistic view of what life is all about. See, when we talk about the word good, our definition is Good is whatever brings happiness into our life. And I think if we believe that, we miss out on the definition of good in Romans 8.28. See, what we're talking about here is what comes into our life that helps to shape us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what God sees as good. See, Randy Alcorn, a Christian writer, says, Let's be honest, virtually everyone who has suffered little has been sheltered from life, and they are shallow, immature, self-absorbed, and lacking character. You know it, and I do. Yet, we do everything in our power to avoid challenges. We do everything in our power many times to protect our children from the challenges of life that they may need to experience, uh, the failure on a test, uh, the punishment with being late, getting cut from a sports team or, or a tryout that they've had. See, Randy Alcorn is saying God has enrolled us in, in a character development school, and we don't want to cut that class. We don't want a snow day because then we miss out. That old adage that Greg was talking about up here in the children's message. You know, it's just like a runner running longer and harder. See, pain increases our spiritual capacity. No pain, no gain. And that produces an amazing thing called perseverance. See, James reminds us of that in chapter 1 where he says, Dear brothers and sisters, whatever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith gets tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. See, that kind of mindset is what we need for living on this earth. Olympic ice skater Scott Hamilton, who is battling cancer, said, The only disability in life, the only disability in life, is a bad attitude. And that's why James said, consider it all joy. See, what we discover is that real joy 
real gratitude never comes from avoiding tough things and the storms that come into our life. Because you can find God's unfailing love right there in the middle of that tough stuff, in the middle of that storm. And realizing He's doing something really good on the inside of you in those tough times. And they have a way of cultivating endurance and humility and a dependence on God. So when you're going through the storms of life, God will help you bounce back. Now there's another thing about storms and tough times. They can be a wake-up call to bring you back to Christ. Countless times in my ministry, I have heard from people that it took them reaching rock bottom, going through rough times, having the acid of pain eat through the wall of denial before they turn back to God. And isn't it true what C.S. Lewis said? God whispers in our pleasure but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. See, pain and trouble can be a reminder that God wants to do something in our life. But often we ignore God until the pain and trouble get harder and harder. Jim Hartel, a Lou Gehrig's disease patient, says, Suffering is the icy cold splash that wakes us up from the complacency of this life. When we get too comfortable, we don't see God's strength and purpose. And many of you can say for your life that in a season of loss or pain, you were drawn back to that relationship, that close relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what the book of Jonah is telling us. God can take the worst thing to ever happen in your life and lead you back to the most important thing. Do you hear me? He can take the worst thing and use it to lead you to the most important thing. Because tough times make us think. Tough times wean us away from the materialism of this world. Storms drive us to our knees and bring us to an end of ourselves and back to Christ. That kind of pain is priceless. Now storms can also be used in life. For God to bring the unbeliever to Jesus Christ. To bring the non-Christian to a place they will listen to God and turn to Him. There was a movie out at Christmas called Unbroken. The story of Louis Zampanese. Now the movie doesn't go the detail that the book of his life does. But Unbroken was about the spirit of of this man. Now I'd like you to watch a, a short video clip. And let's talk about Louis's life. Hope is the power of the soul to endure. Our first big raid was Wake Island, and we were the first to bomb that since the Japanese took it. They came in so close. We shot down all three zeros, but not before taking on 600 bullet holes. As I sank, I lost consciousness. There's no way I could have gotten out. 
pulled the raft back up, got in, then we started our drift of 47 days in the South Pacific. A Japanese patrol boat picked us up and said, you're going to go to the island of Kwajalein, the execution island, because all prisoners are sent there and then executed. We were skeletons. We couldn't stand up. We lost, uh, I think, 80 guys in one winter. And then uh, they set our day of execution. And they took me on the radio. They wrote the script, and it was propaganda, and I said, I can't do it. And they said, you must do it. I said, I can't do it. Hit me across the temple, knocked me to the floor, blood spurred out of my head. Victory in Europe, now victory in Japan. And I saw my family for the first time in about three and a half, four years. And coming home as a soldier, everybody took me out to parties and dinners, and I'm taking advantage of all this. I had these nightmares. Every night, I couldn't get rid of it. And I got worse and worse. And my wife got fed up with it. And then one night, I woke up strangling her. I was totally out of it. And we're drunk every night, every night. And then you become addicted. She said, that's, that's it, I just, I've had it. Our marriage was ruined, and she had a little girl to take care of. Tears began to roll down my face, and I was all alone. She wanted to get me to that tent meeting. She knew something would happen. She knew this was our only hope. Of all of my near-death experiences, my life never passed before my eyes. My life did pass before my eyes. They all hit me at one time. We complain about the weather. We complain about a slow checkout line or the food at the restaurant. But when you see a guy like this that spent 47 days on a raft in the Pacific Ocean with no food, little water, blistered skin, sharks circling the raft, eventually was captured and tortured and abused in a World War II Japanese prison camp. Kind of makes you rethink. But also what we see here is a man that woke up after the war, addicted to alcohol, having flashbacks from the war, woke up strangling his own wife in bed, and his bottom was reached when his wife asked for a divorce. But his wife that same time period went to a Billy Graham concert and heard him preach at that revival. And she accepted Christ into her life. And she came back and told her husband, I'd like for you to go hear this evangelist preach. And she also said, I'm not filing for divorce. I'm staying with you. Well, Zampezi went ahead and went to the Billy Graham revival. And he, for the first time, was broken by God. And he realized that God had been there for him all the time protecting him. And he came to Christ. And when he came to Christ, the miracles came too. He immediately stopped drinking. The nightmares of his time as a prisoner of war ended. And he was even able to forgive the guards and later on flew to Japan 
to face all the guards at that prisoner of war camp and to say that I forgive you. God changed his life on that day. See, for Louis, the revival was a wake-up call from the storms of life. That's what storms do. They're a wake-up call. Jonah's wake-up came in the belly of a fish when he ran out of places to run. And the message is simple for us. God can redeem us. God can bring us out of the storms of life. God can bring us up from the belly of a whale. God is never so far that he can't redeem the disobedient. That God is a God of mercy and we are never out of the range of his love. Our God saves and restores. So if you're going through a storm right now, count it as a blessing. Counting it as God because what Jonah discovered, he may have felt so distant from God, but when he finally turned to God, he was never closer to God than he was in that storm. He found God right there in the belly of the whale with him. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you that you're a God that is there for us. You're always reaching out to us. And we pray that we see that you have a purpose and a plan for us. If we will just follow your direction. Go in the direction of Nineveh, not Tarsus. And seeking what you want for our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.